Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, hello everyone. It's great to be with you on this very, very important service. Uh, Good Friday is always very important to us at Arena Church as we remember the the death of our Saviour Jesus. And uh, it's great that you're all uh, clicked in and you're in on this service and I trust that the next few minutes that I have with you will bless you and possibly even speak to some of you as well. If you're new amongst us today, we give you a very, very warm welcome. If you're from another church, we're delighted that you're with us. And of course, those who are from Arena Church, we love the fact that you're here. We're one church in seven locations. Uh, It never gets old to me. So I want to go again. Belper, big shout out. Now to the Hob and on to Ilkeston and to Mansfield and then on to Nottingham and now to Toulouse and now to all our online digital campus family. We're delighted that you're all here and we give all of you a great round of applause. I want to just bring a few reflections, if I may, on this, uh, on this, serv- on this service and... Um, I want to just say three things to you, but before I go there, let me just say this. In John chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus says something that's truly remarkable. And he says, I am the light of the world. And those who embrace me will experience life-giving light. And they will never walk in darkness. I can still remember the time when I visited Accra, Ghana. We were looking at a medical center that we were involved in and we were supporting financially. And the accommodation that we were in, in Accra, was pleasant. It was, it was certainly adequate. But what happened was um, I like to sleep with the light off. So I turned the light off and as usual practice, uh, I needed to use the bathroom in the middle of the night. But I could not find the light switch. And the issue was, it was so dark outside. You see, all the street lights had been turned off. You know, uh, there, was, there, was, there was no uh, fluorescent lights from anything outside. It was absolute pitch black darkness. And I remember trying to get where I was trying to get to. Now you'll be pleased to know, yes, I did manage to get there. I did manage to find the light switch and I did manage to go and use the bathroom. But I remember to this day, the feeling of being in utter darkness. I literally could not see the hand in front of me. I want to repeat again. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And Good Friday is a significant occasion because this is the moment that God demonstrated through his son Jesus light into darkness. On the day of Christ's death, he took all the darkness upon himself. All of sin's darkness rested on Jesus. All the darkness that you would commit and I would commit 
rested upon Jesus. It's interesting, there are dark secrets and people use the phrase dark arts, dark magic, dark sins. They all speak of darkness. But we were never meant to live in darkness. We were meant to live in light. But I realize there are many people who are still walking in darkness. Still, you know, living with darkness, gross darkness around their lives. And Jesus comes and says to every single one of us on this Good Friday service, I am the light of the world. Now, before I go to three things that I want to say to you, let me just make this point even more. Because in Romans in chapter 3, the writer of this book, Paul, says a few things. And the challenge was the difference between Jews and Gentiles. And of course, Jews were God's people and, you know, there were people who would argue that they'd got, uh, you know, the, the, the whole counsel of God. They were close to God. But Paul makes the point here that actually there is no difference between Jews and Gentiles because we are all under the power of sin. Let me take you there. Verse 9. Well then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles are under the power of sin. Verse 10, as the scripture says, there is no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. And their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. And they rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. Verse 18. They have no fear of God at all. Now this is a very, very severe list. And Paul describes the way that people were living their lives in that first century. And of course nothing's really changed. Because people are still living this way in our day. People are angry and loud and abusive. They're fueled by self, by lust, pleasure-seeking, brash, arrogant. Lost all senses and composure. People are cruel and possessive and materialistic. And they also hate God. And still others, even worse, forget God. When I look at this list, I just realize the darkness of this world and man's hearts. I recently read something. The sin does not serve well as a gardener of the soul. It landscapes the contour of the soul until all that is beautiful has been made ugly. Until all that is high is made low. Until all that is promising is wasted. Then life is like a desert, parched and barren. It is drained of purpose. It is bleached of happiness. Sin, then, is not wise, but wasteful. It is not a gate, but only a grave. Sin does so much damage in the world today. It has done so much damage in the lives of people in all of our communities. And it may be still damaging you today. You who are listening to me. 
Now there is an answer, my friend, and we've got to read on from these verses in Romans in chapter 3 that I've just read from, because then Paul goes on to say, and he shifts gear, and I'm so glad he does, because he explains the truth, but then he explains the grace of God, and the grace of God is written in verses 22 to 25. Because he says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Christ Jesus. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who they are. For everyone has sinned. And we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. Verse 25. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. This is what we're remembering on this Good Friday as Jesus hung upon a cross. He says people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. Jesus entered the world because of the darkness that surrounded our lives. Jesus entered the world and hung upon a cross, was battered and bruised. His blood was shed to make a way for us to be reconciled back to God. Now there are three thoughts that I want to just leave with you quite quickly. The first thing is this. And this is for everybody, whether you're a Christ follower and you have been for years or whether you know nothing of God, I want you to really lean into this. I want you to understand this. Number one, we have all missed the mark. We've all missed the mark. This is so important. We see there in in verse 23, for everyone has sinned. We've all fallen short of God's standards. Now there are people say, what are you on about? I've missed no mark. I'm an an A-star student. My life's rocking and rolling. I'm doing great. Everything's working perfectly for me. And people will often say with shock and horror when I use this terminology that we have all sinned, they would say, you show me where I've sinned. There are many occasions when I can remember when people have alluded to this thought that they have done nothing wrong because what they're doing is categorizing. They're saying, well, I've never been this. I've never been that. I've never been a murderer. You know, I've never been in prison, whatever. And we categorize. But the Bible says that we've all sinned. And by the way, with this church welcomes people, ex-prisoners. We love them. God's into redeeming people who have come from bad situations and changing their lives. I believe that in Jesus' name. And he's also changing those who have never done anything wrong. They're just Johnny Average. But God is, you know, they realize that, you know, there's things in their lives that, you know, that don't please God. And God is changing them. And we love all those kinds of people as well. What I'm trying to say is we love everybody. But we've all missed the mark. 1 John 1 verse 8 says this, if we claim we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. We have all missed the mark. I don't know whether you've ever played uh, darts. Um, Fancy a game one time when we come out of lockdown? Great. You'll probably beat me because I'm terrible. But I remember playing it uh, at my brother-in-law's house. And we was going round the, the board, you know, going round. And I was terrible, you know. And, and, and you, you know, that bullseye, 
just got to try and hit the bullseye and you just miss the mark. And this is what it's talking about. We, we, we try and hit the bullseye and we miss the mark. We miss the mark and we all have. But number two, we may have missed the mark, but God was willing to do whatever was required to save the world, to redeem the world. You may have missed the mark, but this is where Jesus stepped in because he says, you've missed the mark. Your sin separates you from my father, but I'm going to do whatever I can, whatever's required to save the world. And God simply sent his son. If you wanted to understand what the Easter story is all about, it's simply God with his great love sent his one and only son into the world to reconcile you back to the father. It's as simple as that. For there an offer of forgiveness, for you to be made right, for you to live with peace and joy in your heart. It was radical love. It was a radical approach. It was extravagant love and extravagant sacrifice. Many years ago, I read this story, and it's worth reading again before we move to our next point. Because God was willing and is willing to do whatever is required to save the world. And it reminded me of John Griffiths. In 1937, he found a job tending one of the railroad bridges that crossed the Mississippi River. We've actually traveled across the Mississippi uh, River. It was, a, it was a great occasion. And every day, he would control the gears of the bridge to allow barges and ships through. One day, John decided to allow his eight-year-old son, Greg, to help him. He and his boy packed their lunches with great excitement and high hopes for the future and went to work. The morning went quickly and at noon, they headed off for lunch down a narrow catwalk into an observation platform about 50 feet above the Mississippi River. John told his son stories about the ships as they passed by. Suddenly, they were jolted back to reality by the shrill sound of an engine's whistle. Looking at his watch, John realized to his horror that it was 1.07 p.m. and that the Memphis Express was due at any time and the bridge was still raised. He calmly told Greg to stay put and then run back to the controls. Once there, he looked beneath the bridge to make sure there was nothing below. And as his eyes moved downwards, he saw something so terrible that he froze. For there, lying on the gears, was his beloved son, Greg. Greg had tried to follow his dad, but had fallen off the catwalk. Immediately, John realized the horrifying choice before him, either lower the bridge and kill his son, or keep the bridge raised and kill everybody on board the train. As 400 people moved closer to the bridge, John realized what he had to do. Burying his face under his arm, he plunged down the lever, and the cries of his son were instantly drowned out by the noise of the bridge, grinding slowly into position. John looked up. And saw through the windows, a conductor was collecting tickets in his usual way. A businessman was reading a newspaper. Ladies were drinking afternoon tea and children were playing. And John began to beat on the window with his fists and shouted, Don't you care? I gave my son for you. But those who saw him thought that he was waving and waved back, not realizing the price that he had to pay. This man sacrificed his son to save hundreds more. This is a small example of what our Father in heaven did. How loving Father who gave his one and only son, Jesus, into the world. He took your punishment and your sin and my punishment and my sin. And it was laid upon him on the cross. And he did whatever was necessary Whatever was required to save. 
the world and to save you. My last point that I want to make is this. In light of this, I believe everyone can be saved and every sin can be forgiven. I want to repeat that again. Every, every person can be saved and every sin can be forgiven. And this is without exception. There is no sin that cannot be covered by the blood of the cross. There is no t- sin too small or too great. You may say, I've sinned too many times. I want to tell you, God is the God of many chances. Every person can be saved and every sin can be forgiven. There is nothing that can separate you from God's love. There is no exception. Don't care what you have done, sir, madam, child, young person. Don't care where you've come from, what background you are. I want to tell you, God has paid it all in Jesus. But it is through Jesus. It's not through good works. You can't find salvation and your sins forgiven through good works or by giving, attending mass, going to church, reading religious materials. None of those things are bad or evil in themselves, but they will not get you to God. I've had many people say to me, there are many ways to get to God. There are many roads. All roads ultimately lead to God. And I have to say to them, because this is the truth, with the grace, that is untrue. There is only one way to God. There is only one way to the Father, and it is through Jesus There are many examples that Jesus taught himself when he walked on the earth. He spoke about a narrow road, a narrow way. And this is through Jesus. And then Jesus himself announced in John 14 verse 6, this is a very important verse. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one can get to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Are you lost today? Jesus is your way. Are you living a lie today? Jesus is your truth. Are you dying internally, emotionally, mentally, physically? Jesus is your life. All you have to do is simply receive this wonderful gift that Jesus offers to every single one of us Because he has paid the price for our sins. I would encourage you today to reach out to the Lord. Now on Sunday, Easter Sunday, we'll be celebrating the resurrection. When they laid Jesus in a tomb, but the tomb and death could not hold him down. He was risen indeed. He is risen from the grave. But I don't want you to wait till Sunday before you put your trust in him. Can I encourage you today on this Good Friday service for the very first time for you to acknowledge, yes, you are a sinner. You've missed the mark. Yes, to know that God would do whatever it takes to pay the price for you. And for you to know that whatever you have done is taken care of through the person and through the blood and through the love of Christ. If that is you today, I wonder if you'd pray with me today. I wonder if you'd bow your heads. I wonder if you'd just ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Maybe you've been far away from God. You once knew God. You're backslidden. You're now far away from Him. Come on, come back to God. 
or it may be two that you just needed this message to just reaffirm again how much God loves you. Come on, let's just pray in this moment. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for this Good Friday service when we remember all that you did at the cross at Calvary, the sin that was placed upon your shoulders, the sins of the world, my sin. And Lord, today I pray. I pray today for people who are reaching out to you. I ask, Lord, that you'd forgive them. I ask, Lord, that you would cleanse them. I ask, Lord, that you'd give them a brand new start as they reach out to you in Jesus' name. Friend, if you have prayed that prayer and asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, asked him to come into your heart, then I wonder if you'd click on the screen. Just let the hosts know. Don't, don't delay. Just go for it. This is the beginning of a new journey. This is a beginning when you can know that you are free and you have a brand new start in Jesus. And Lord, I pray over Arena Church that we would live out of this truth, the truth of the cross, the power of the cross coursing through our lives in Jesus' name. And may we be carriers of good news wherever we go. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, Amen, and amen, and amen. As always, guys, I look forward to seeing you on Sunday. But in the meantime, I love you, I'm praying for you, and I believe in you. God bless you.